Things are better. The world is better. Just because there's not a war doesn't mean there's peace. Eric, don't join them. Whatever it is you think you saw in me, I buried it with my family. Together, we will cleanse the earth. Everything they've built will fall! And from the ashes of their world, we'll build a better one! I've never felt power like this before. Welcome, everyone, to Episode 9 of Discussing Who, the podcast where you never know who or what we will be discussing next. Again, this is Episode 9, and tonight we're discussing, amongst other things, X-Men Apocalypse. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Clarence Brown. Hey, Clarence. Hey, Cal. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Can't complain. Uh... Back for another discussion. Excited to talk about this movie that I, I pretty uh, well enjoyed. <laughs> we'll see what your opinion is a little I bit later. I, but, I have uh, to admit, I enjoyed it. I'm going to hold, like you said, look, we'll hold that for a few more minutes. Lee is not with us tonight. He is doing something else with his church, and I'll mention that in just a minute. So before we get started, we want to talk about something that's been going on in the United States this week and specifically in Florida. We, as the three co-hosts, decided that we wanted to just touch on it. What I think I'm going to say is something very brief about Orlando, and what it's going to be is this. When you all boil it down, we are all human beings, whether you are Democrat, whether you're Republican, whether you're Christian, whether you're Muslim, whatever your sexual orientation may be, Whatever you, how old you are or for whoever you are, when it all boils down, for us, as for discussing who, you know, we mourn the loss of people that we did not know, basically. You know, it's a sad thing that someone could do things like this. You know, I just hope as a human being that people can look beyond their partisan politics, look beyond their religion look beyond anything else that they want to label themselves as being and just be human for a moment. That's our, I think that's our message. And Clarence, feel free if you want to add anything in. But I think what we want to just say is, you know, be human. And I, yeah. I think that's ultimately what anybody could do. Yeah, that's, that's the best few words I've heard uh, in a long time. Just be human and treat everyone like you want to be treated. I mean, that that's the basic right that anyone has and and regardless of differences we should all go out and love and treat everybody equally no matter what their background is whether you agree or disagree politically correct, correct or not just treat everyone like you want to be treated the fundamental rule of life it, this reminds me of something or, or when you were speaking just then it reminded me of something from a tv show that i used to watch back in the 80s there was a quote from the show that said People are going to forget you about 10 minutes after you die anyway. 
And in the end, all that matters is what is true or truly felt and how you treated one another. And, you know, I think that echoes what you just said. It goes back to how you treat each other. So, you know, treat each other with respect and with human dignity. And again, you know, we just wanted to, as the host, you know, and I know Lee feels the same same way because what he is doing tonight, the reason that he can't be with us tonight is simply because his church is involved in something in memory of those who lost their lives this weekend. You know, compliments to Lee on that. So on to better news uh, and on to the news why don't we get into the news? What do you say? Let's do it. All right. Good deal. Some Dr. Hugh, Dr. Who news. <laughs> uh, not Dr. Hugh, Dr. Who. Penelope Wilton, which fans of the show, especially New Who, know her as Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. Uh, Penelope Wilton is one of Britain's most popular sought-out actresses, as says Doctor Who News. And on the Queen's 90th birthday, she is now Dame Harriet Jones. So I guess, well, Dame Penelope Wilton, but I guess now not only is she Prime Minister, she's a Dame. So congratulations. Also... And Clarence, I don't remember, we've not discussed the wedding, not the wedding of River Song, but the husbands of River Song. But did you enjoy Nordal in the Christmas episode? Nordal, uh, was he the big robot guy? He was the, he was the guy that came to the TARDIS at the very beginning, knocked on the door, and uh, the doctor came with the antlers and was uh, yeah, and he ultimately became the the robot guy. Yes, yeah, um, that was weird. <laughs> I don't know if I really enjoyed that part of the episode or not. Um, yeah, so apparently this news is telling us he's going to be back. He will be back in series ten. If you've not watched, have you ever watched Little Britain? Have you ever watched a show called Little Britain? No, I have not. Okay, you definitely need to go out and watch Little Britain. It does star Matt Lucas, basically. Think of it as a 30-minute skit comedy with various characters. It is completely hilarious. There's several series of Little Britain, and there's even a Little Britain U.S., which was kind of funny in itself. But there's a set of recurring characters. Like I said, Matt Lucas is one of the two main stars. And ironically enough, it is voiced as or narrated by t- the voice of Britain, so to speak, Tom Baker, the fourth oh, really? doctor. Yep. So it, very, very funny, hilariously funny. And yes, Matt Lucas will be back for series 10, which will be interesting because will this be Nordle before he became the red robot or will it be the red robot? I guess we'll find out in 2017. Hopefully not the red robot. <laughs> So, Cal, what is what is that I hear? What I know. Do you hear something? We want to hear from you. Definitely. What, what some, is it? Some kind of feedback. Hi, guys. Hmm. This is Lee Shackelford uh, chiming in for just a few minutes uh, to share uh, a few thoughts about X-Men Apocalypse, uh, starting off with the caveat that I haven't seen it. Uh, but, you know, Kyle urged me to participate in the conversation anyway. Uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, uh, life has intervened. And this is the only movie in this, uh, the, the X-Men series that I have not yet seen. And I have always enjoyed them. I, I, I was not a big X-Men fan uh, in the comics. Um, 
I know that's uh, that's heretical. Uh, well, I used to work in a comic book store, and at that time, uh, that was that may have been the the zenith of X Men popularity, and I I got to, I got just plain sick of them. <laughs> but um, but then um, the first of the films came out, and I thought it was one of the best superhero films ever. And I I don't think anything else has quite lived up to that. And maybe that's because I thought it did such a, a splendid job of being an origin story and of exploring, um, I don't know, some of the, the interpersonal aspects of, uh, of these unique and interesting characters. Uh, and of course, it's got Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen in it. So for heaven's sake, uh, not to mention a, a really terrific supporting cast of all these other uh, fine, fine players. Um, so, um, you know, that one's going to be the gold standard in my mind. Um, one of the things that has interested me though, in the franchise from the beginning, and I guess this is why I I appreciate it being uh, asked to chime in, even though I haven't seen this movie that you're talking about is, um, a story that I think, um, a lot of listeners of this show probably know, but if they don't, I think it's a story worth telling. Um, Ian McKellen approached to was approached to play Magneto the first time, and he said no. Um, and you know he had a lot of his his own reasons. Um, but uh, Brian Singer spoke to him personally, and he and Brian knows that uh, Ian is uh, famously gay, and he said, "What we're telling here is a story about a group of people who are being hounded because of how they were born." We want to tell a story about people who are being unfairly treated because they're different from most other people. And it ain't their fault. And what they're going to find instead is a unique uh, appreciation of what makes them special. That to be a mutant isn't, doesn't have to be a bad thing. And that was the turnaround point for Ian McKellen. What really grabbed him, what made him want to be part of the franchise was that uh, simply because it is an ongoing story about people uh, coming to grips with uh, a reality about how they were born that sets them apart from a lot of the rest of society. And so we're having this discussion just a few days after this terrible thing that happened in Orlando where um, 49 or 50 people were killed and we're still sorting out why, if there was a why, but it sure looks like they lost their lives for being gay. And it it brings us back to the fictional world of a film like this and reminds us that there's tremendous resonance in these stories that we tell. There's a reason why we keep coming back to telling these stories again and again. There's a reason why X-Men, the X-Men franchise is important to us as a culture. Why, why we're going to keep making these movies and keep telling these stories and why the comics keep, uh, keep grabbing and holding people's imaginations and interest. One of the reasons why I haven't moved heaven and earth to go see this movie is because the early reviews said that they've lost the hook. They've lost the thread that this is a film that's about explosions and seeing the mutants use their powers and and forgetting who they are as as people and if that was true then i was i i was i felt we were set up for disappointment that that's not something i wanted to spend uh, my my money and time in the theater with um but 
I haven't seen it. So uh, tell me I'm wrong, guys. Um, tell me that the real person's story, the story about who these people are as characters, that that's still present in this movie. Okay? And I'm going to shut up because, and I can't stress this strongly enough, I haven't seen this movie. Okay? Have fun, guys. I hope to be with you in the next episode. All right, well, talk about crossing your own time stream. That was a little bit interesting. What do you say? Oh, yes, I have to agree with you on that. <laughs> I agree 100%. So enough on the news. So let's get into what we're actually here to talk about tonight. The age of apocalypse, X-Men apocalypse, and apocalypse in general. They took him. Raven, the world needs the X-Men. I'm not a hero. Students look up to you. If I'm going to teach your kids something, I'm going to teach them how to fight. Follow me. To her. I'm not afraid of him. Magneto, he's my father. What? Him and my mom, they did. No, I know. Not all of us can control our powers. Then don't. Apocalypse means to destroy this world. It's all of us against a god and the most powerful beings on earth. Forget everything you think you know. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right, good deal. So, do you tell me you're the new? the new view of comics. How much do you know about Apocalypse? I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> Unfortunately, most of my knowledge of X-Men comes from the, the uh, 90s cartoon. Okay, so do you remember <laughs> Apocalypse being in the cartoon? No, I do not, but that, that doesn't mean he wasn't. Okay. I just don't yeah, he, he was in the cartoon. I don't remember the exact story, but I do remember him being in the cartoon. Apocalypse was created back in 1986 by a writer by the name of Louise Simonson and was drawn at the time by Jackson Geis. He first appeared in X Factor number five. Like I said, that was in 1986. I remember reading Apocalypse back then, did not see him as being the big bad character that he turned into. Well, that that's funny because now, I mean, he's kind of from from my uh, opinion of of the movie and just hearing about him in general, he's kind of the big the biggest and baddest of them all. Is that true? A true statement, or uh, is that kind of just portrayed in the movie for him to be that way? I mean, is is that really how he is in the comics? Uh, let me answer it this way: if you if you keep bringing back Doomsday to fight Superman. There are only so many times you can bring Doomsday back before Doomsday becomes not the big threat of Doomsday. You get where I'm going there? If you keep, uh, if you keep, sense. you know, if you keep bringing back the the character that killed Superman in his first appearance, if you keep bringing back this same character and having them fight over and over and over, he loses as Doomsday some of that mystique of being so all powerful. If you keep bringing him back, and that's yeah, that what, and that's what I kind of mean about apocalypse is you keep bringing him back over and over and over. So for me in the comics, he's no worse than Mister Sinister. He's no worse than any of the other 
X-Men villains. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Let's so, talk. I mean, well, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, go ahead and tell me, uh, is, is that your background? Tell me, give me, give me your thoughts on who exactly Apocalypse is. Okay. Apocalypse, as the story unfolded, became a ancient Egyptian. He was um, allegedly a thousand of years old. He was in Sabah-Nur. Uh, can't spell that if you ask me to, <laughs> but he uh, allegedly was created or was born, not created, was born in one of the first, if not the first mutant back in ancient Egyptian times and through his powers, which his powers make him also are almost, not also, but almost omnipotent or all powerful because he can change his shape. He can convert energy. He's got regenerative regenerative uh properties he do uh, they say what his initial powers were uh no not really i that i remember and again apocalypse is a character that i've obviously known about but not one that it's like oh wow here comes apocalypse again it's more turned into a sense of oh well here we go with apocalypse again um you know that's why when when they did or when they said here here we're coming with X-Men Apocalypse. I think had they done true uh, adaptation to one of the famous storylines with Apocalypse, I think some of the critics of this movie may have been a little less silenced. I mean, I thought it was a good movie, but I think if they had went maybe with the storyline of the, I'll just go ahead and say it, the Age of Apocalypse, I think that would have been a tighter story for the movie than what we actually saw. So how exactly does the Age of Apocalypse uh, differentiate differentiate itself from what we saw in the movie? Let me backtrack just a bit before I answer that. With X-Men, with the uh, Apocalypse character, Apocalypse, just as he did in the movie, normally has four horsemen. And those are represented was representative, excuse me, by death, famine, pestilence, and war. In the comic, his first death was Angel. And that, now that was kind of interesting in the movie that we saw Angel shed his wings, the feathered wings, and be replaced by the metal wings. So you remember that in the movie? Yes. Sorry. All right. And uh, I forgot to mention this, or we forgot to mention this a few minutes ago. If you've not seen the movie, which we hope you probably have, just be aware, spoilers, we're not going to not have any spoilers in this review. We assume that since the movie's been out almost a month now that you've seen it, spoilers abound. So back back to what I was saying, Angel was one of the first horsemen of Apocalypse back in the uh, comics. What is the age of Apocalypse? Back in 1995, Marvel wanted to do something cool, per se, with the X-Men. So they said, what if Xavier's son, David, decided he wanted to go back into the past and prevent his father from having to fight Magneto? And if his father didn't fight Magneto, then he would have been able to have been there for David growing up. He goes back and attempts to assassinate Magneto thinking, if I get rid of Magneto, then Charles will not have to form the X-Men, everything will be hunky-dory, and everything will be great. 
Can you guess what happened instead of David going back and killing Magneto? What do you think happened? Um, I have, really have no clue, but it seems as with most time movies like this, it never happened exactly like you planned. So I'm okay. it went terribly so, wrong. So let's assume that you're correct, which you are. It did go terribly wrong. So if he went back to kill Magneto, who did he kill instead? Don't tell me Xavier. Correct. He, oh, and, he, he, he kills Xavier. And by doing that, you know, it alters the timeline. So instead of having Magneto become, or for Eric becoming Magneto, yes, he still took the name Magneto, but by seeing Xavier sacrifice himself for him, because Xavier actually jumped in front of uh, Magneto and prevented him from being killed, that's how he got killed, it changed Magneto's outlook, and so Eric became a benevolent person did not become the terrorist, did not do any of those things. And he, in turn, in memory of Charles, started the X-Men. Wow. Now, now, the difference in that was, for whatever reason, not having Magneto there as the bad guy, not having whatever Charles was doing in that ripple effect in the pond, when Apocalypse emerged, Apocalypse basically took over. The, all the X-Men books during that time, like Uncanny X-Men ceased publication and was replaced, I believe, by Astonishing X-Men. New Mutants was replaced, or excuse me, Generation X was replaced by X-Generation. There was X-Force was replaced by Gambit and the External. So, I mean, they... Yeah, com- that, that's an inter- interesting device to be able to explore some different stories with the characters. Right, uh, right. Of course, I'm figuring it goes back to the right way at some point, but it, it, I still like that premise that something can go horribly wrong to kind of send you on this alternate path. And, and of course, these books change likewise. Now, uh, you're very correct. So that, to me, was the highlight of the Apocalypse story, because you're, you, you are correct. There, w- there was one character who was the doorway out. What I mean by that was there was one person that remembered how things were supposed to be. You wound up having everything restored. In doing so, they did bring over four characters from the Age of Apocalypse, those four characters, they could have made better choices, in my opinion. But they brought over this creature called Sugar Man. They brought over someone who was called the son of Apocalypse, called Holocaust. They brought over a evil version of Hank McCoy, called the Dark Beast. And they brought over a, another version of Cable, that did not have the techno-organic um, virus that prevented him from having full access to his powers like Cable normally would. So you had two versions of Cable, two versions of and, Beast, and, we, and all When of you it. said brought back, that did they uh, come up with an ex- impressive storyline to allow them to come back, or is it just like, we're back to the old ways, we're going to keep these characters? Well, <laughs> in, in story, there was a st- there was a there was a point where the characters in the story realized thing this was not how things were supposed to be because of the character that remembered how things were supposed to be that the 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 ultimate end of this bookend book of this age of apocalypse story ended with 
something happening that they that would in turn restore things to the way they were supposed to be. So when mm-hmm. that ha- when that act happened, there were four characters that I can't recall at the moment how they got transported or how they maintained coming back into the normal reality, but they kept four characters back into the normal reality. So a story about comic book heroes who take an alternate path in which only a few people or almost none know about the real reality, but it turns back the right way at the end. Does that remind you of anything? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you, and you're referring to the last X-Men movie, right? Well, I'm, I'm kind of just referring to the whole rebirth thing. It's, oh, it, well, it, true. On a large, grander scheme, is kind of the same. Yeah, thing. I hadn't even thought about that, but you're, you're, you're very right. But see, where I was going with that was you've already kind of used that plot point with Days of Future Past. Yeah. So you can't really go back and do that in the very next movie. Yeah, agreed. Let me add one other thing about Apocalypse. Now, we've seen Magneto become a, an X-Man. We've seen Sabretooth ultimately join the X-Men. We've seen Rogue, who actually started out as a villain briefly, ha- has been an X-Men since the, you know, a member of the X-Men since the 80s. Do you think it is possible for Apocalypse to join the X-Men? It should not be. <laughs> it really should not be. There's, I have not seen, even from the movie, I haven't seen a glimmer of goodness from this guy. Okay. Uh, so... I don't think so, but I'm guessing I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, how did you know that you were falling into a trap? There? <laughs> uh, yes, you're wrong, uh, to, a, to a point. Uh, and here's how this happened. In one of the most recent stories in the last probably 10 years, there is actually a clone of Apocalypse that was incubated and grown up in this virtual reality, and I would say he's probably... 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in that age range. He's not bad. He's a kid and knows that he has the potential to grow up and become Apocalypse again. But you're seeing it from this kid that says, I know what I'm supposed to become, but I'm not bad. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is a different take on it. Very different. And and he is a member of the, X, the group of X-Men of the time displaced x-men that came from the past are now stuck in the present version he's traveling around with them and his name instead of n sabiner he's evan sabiner (laughs) which i think is interesting wow so get into the movie what did you think how did you like it i actually i enjoyed it i enjoyed it i thought it was a good solid movie was it the best x-men movie probably not was it the worst? Nowhere close. So I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the kind of time lock in the 80s that we saw in the movie. And also enjoyed seeing some of the characters that we haven't seen for a while. So I, I really, really enjoyed the movie. What about you? All right. Well, I want to hear some more from you before I get into it. So I want to go down the list a little bit. Moria McTaggart. We saw the return of Moria McTaggart. What did you think of that? That's Magneto's, not Magneto, that's um, uh, the professor's girlfriend, right? Correct. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if she played any type of pivotal role in the movie. I mean, I, I think we could have not had her just as easily. 
I mean, I, I think she was fine doing the role she played. Was she or was she not the ultimate reason that that apocalypse was resurrected in the beginning? Because it is because of her sneaking in to that site that the light shine, shine down from above because they had that covered until she knocked the guy out or whatever she did to get in. Yeah, but I, I think the I mean you basically had a, a a group of worshipers there praying to him. So I, I I don't think she really impacted it that much. I think it probably would have happened anyway. All right. So what do you think about Storm? How did you like Storm? This is the first time we've seen a non Halle Berry Storm. So what did you think? Uh she was good, different. I'm so, I I would like to know from the expert here uh, is is this anywhere near her true origin? In the old movies, they never talked really about her origin, so we really have no basis to uh, in the movie universe to to put this against. Is this anything close to Storm's true y- origin? Yes and no at the same time. And yes equals she was a thief in Africa, if essentially Cairo, which is Egypt, which is in Africa. She is from Africa. So, yes, she was a, a thief. Yes, she lived on the streets. Did she have brown hair? No. Did Apocalypse change her hair from brown to white? No. So that is the yes, that is the no. Yeah, well, I, I can deal with the hair thing. I, I, it's it's kind of cool, the whole thief thing, though. I thought that was kind of cool, but I had no idea that it was true. I thought they were just making it up for the movie. No, it's actually true. In the comic, she was about... A, she actually met Xavier uh, when Xavier was in Cairo, and she she stole his wallet. He stopped her in her tracks and you know froze her and went back and got his wallet and you know and kept going. So she, uh, but she had the long white hair, you know the blue eyes and all that. She didn't have the brown hair. Uh, she never had brown hair. The uh, interesting thing about how they made her look. There was a time in the late 80s when she went through her punk stage where she shaved her hair down to a mohawk, went from wearing the cloaks and the the big uh, billowing capes and wore leather with, you know, spikes and all that. And and there was a time when she didn't have her powers and she was still leading the X-Men. So that was a little bit of a nod to how she looked in the late 80s. Yeah, I really enjoyed that character in the movie. Uh, I thought the actor played her well, and um, I'll be interested to see uh, what they do uh, with her in further movies since, you know, at the end of the movie, saw her walking into the mansion. So, <laughs> so what did you think about Nightcrawler? Because that's the, the another character that was recast. Yes, Nightcrawler. We've seen him in, I think, the first two original X-Men movies. Um, uh, second one, I think. He the was, second one? Uh, yeah, just yeah. the second one. I like again. I like the whole thing of the movie being in the '80s time frame. I thought it allowed for a lot of cool, uh, uh, catchy things to be presented in the movie, like the Michael Michael Jackson jacket and things like that. Of course, he's younger, so again, different actor. Um, I thought the way they portrayed his powers were pretty much on point with 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 what I've already known from him in the past movies. So I thought he was pretty much the same. The one thing I did like that they kind of expanded on that I didn't even know from the past, or I didn't even think about, was the, his ability to carry multiple people. You know, mm-hmm. in the end of the movie, that kind of came into play. 
as the movie wrapped up. And it was pretty cool to see that because I never really thought of it, to be honest. Yeah, it, it it usually the the if I remember his powers correctly, the more people he carries, the more strain it is on him and the more strain it is on them. Because usually the people, not only do you have the fire and brimstone smell, but it kind of makes them nauseated for him to teleport, you know, them. It doesn't really bother him except physically the strain of taking somebody else with him. But, um, yeah, I thought they did a very good job. What did you think of Angel? Because he was another character that uh, was recast. We we saw Angel in three, I believe. I like this one a little bit better, although the one in the last movie didn't really have any... He really didn't do much. Yeah, I don't think he spoke probably a paragraph of lines. The whole Correct. Movie. So uh, this one was kind of the same, but he's more prominent. Um, I like I like the way they portrayed his abilities a lot. So in the way uh, him and Nightcrawler were in the uh, cage match was pretty cool as well. So yeah, I enjoyed his character. I could again, he didn't really bring nothing new to the table. So that being said i still enjoyed him what about you did you think he he lived up to i did i really did i thought and i'm i'm agreeing with you the and this is you know no disrespect to the actor who played him in the and you know x3 but he, there was no substance to the character other than oh look you've got angel in the movie you know there <laughs> was, that the, that was really the only purpose that he played in the movie was being there because they they could have interchanged any character as opposed to having angel in there at that point uh but yeah i thought he did a good job he did a good job i loved the look of the metal wings as well as you know you actually saw the wings shed off because that's true to the story the reason that apocalypse was able to take warren and um to take him and change him the way he did, Warren's wings had been amputated. He had been attacked and his wings had been uh, damaged and they ultimately, to save his life, had to be amputated. Uh, Apocalypse restored his wings by giving him the metal wings. Yeah, something is funny. Uh, you know, if, if Apocalypse would have survived, he always could have had a, um, a career in, in being Apocalypse, Apocalypse, the suit designer. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me make you a new suit. Yeah, it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> he was he was uh, designing the suit. I thought that was pretty funny. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Cyclops, he was recast. What did you think of him? Uh, Cyclops, um, again, I like it. I like the fact that they were kind of just being kids, being eighties kids, you know, I'm going to leave the mansion and go watch a movie. Uh, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, first time we've got an introduction to his powers, which a little, I, I mean, I thought it was great how they introduced it, but I mean, how could he at one point cut a tree in half and then at the other point, a door uh, from a bathroom shielded a guy from getting destroyed. But I do like his character. I like these, these, these characters being kids because it gives us a side gives us a side to them that we haven't seen before and i just thought it was really great uh what about you did you like did you like seeing the younger uh all right kid and and, and once again and you'll and you'll understand in just a minute what why i'm doing this but i'm gonna hold i'm gonna hold my thought for a second but i will say this on god i do i did like the guy i did not uh I did not like the fact because I had forgotten about the fact that they used the ultimate ages of uh, Scott and 
Alex, their ages are reversed. I did not like that because is, Al- Alex is supposed to be the younger brother. Scott's supposed to be the really? older brother. Was, but, was was Alex even in the previous movie? Because if he was, I do not remember him. Yes, but, Alex was in the, not the last movie, but the movie before that with the, you know, the first, first class. class. Yes. Yeah, I, I do not remember him in the movie at all. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I need to go back and watch it. Uh, Havoc is is his name, and I think he I think it's the same actor, but I think the actor had brown hair, and they had his hair dyed in the first movie. Interesting, interesting. But Go yeah, I, I, I like the dynamic between the brothers. I thought that was pretty cool, and you know, the older brother kind of being the older, experienced guy who who's already been to the school for the gifted, and was kind of leading his brother in the way. <laughs> yes. And I think you could find this on YouTube. And, and since you've made re- several references to the 80s, one of the things that I liked uh, was they did a look like an advertisement or a commercial. Instead of lifestyles of the rich and famous, it was like lifestyles of the whatever and whatever, you know, something replacing yeah. those two words. And it was come now to the illustrious Westchester to the Xavier escape or estate and whatever. Yeah. And that, that, that was kind of neat because oh. it, it threw back to the eighties. Yeah, and Oh my God. Uh, Night Rider commercial, uh, Night Rider intro was yeah, awesome. That was cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I want to mention Quicksilver. What did you think of Quicksilver? Again, some of the most jaw-dropping moments in the movie, uh, as with the previous one, is when he's doing his thing. However unbelievable it is, if you think about it, <laughs> I thought they may have probably just went a little bit too far with the coordination in that one scene. That, you know what I'm talking about? When the mansion gets destroyed, they kind of went a little bit too far. But it was funny and it was cool and I got a good kick out of it. It was probably one of the most exciting parts of the movie. You know, I thought, uh, well, I agree with you for starters, but for seconds, I would wonder if there has been some agreement made between Marvel or, quote, Disney or slash Disney and Fox that says, okay, you can have Scarlet Witch you can have Quicksilver because, you know, we did see the other version of Quicksilver in the Avengers 2. However, he dies at the end. And ironically, even though we saw a younger version of Wanda in uh, the last X-Men movie, she was nowhere to be seen in this movie. That is true. She wasn't even mentioned in this movie. So uh, in in the mutant origin, I mean, are these are they still brother and sister? No, they're still twins and they're still or, you know, they they made no mention of her in the uh, X-Men movies, though. Right. No, no. They did show a younger sister named Wanda. And when they introduced Quicksilver in in the last one, yes. Okay, I didn't realize that she was playing with something when when they tried to come and recruit him in the last movie. Or when they came to see him in the last movie, he, they made reference, or or she said something about my sister's playing, you know, oh. and he called her Wanda. And you know, my thought was, okay, how can she be eight or nine years old? That's your twin sister. Yeah, but to that point, the the one the the Quicksilver in the X Men movies is is so much greater than the one in the Marvel uh, in the Disney movies. It's probably Agreed. the only case where they outdid you know X Men. Yeah. All right, so. Um, I'm going to mention, uh, because I'm holding a character here, but I want to mention Psylocke. What did you think of her? Um, I thought that Olivia Munn did a good job 
I don't I don't think her character was particularly impressive in any way. Seems as if Beast should not stand a chance against her with her weapons, <laughs> honestly. And uh now now know. now you do know okay, so I wanna I, I wanna stop you for a moment. I do wanna make sure you understand because maybe if you understand her her powers you'll understand why he didn't have a chance you know i had completely forgotten until you mentioned him i had forgotten beast <laughs> you know well, he's, he's been around all the movies you know yeah he has he's just kind of just there <laughs> yeah maybe it's because maybe it's selective forgetting because in the comics older beast i can't stand older beast in the comics i mean i do not like that character in the comics younger beast who ironically they're both in the present at the moment uh-huh. i like him but the older beast i do not like the older beast in the comics but uh, but, uh before before we go on with a little more beast discussion i was gonna say it's highly unlikely that this guy can build a jet in his <laughs> in the hangar is is he is his intelligence super enhanced as yeah, well? He, yeah, he's I a thought genius. he was already smart. But. No, he's a genius. He's genius level. Uh, is knowledge. that due to his mutant his mutant abilities? Or no, is I, I think he's. I think that has nothing to do. If I remember correctly, has nothing to do with his mutation because I think that was the irony of his mutation. He is he was beast like, but yet he is a, a uh, natural genius. And and can at this point he can just change from being beast to a normal human by just drinking some serum? No, <laughs> that's something they created probably to save money and budget for the movie. To be honest with you. And why mentioning budget? Another character that is blue that is also in her own skin a lot. Yep, mistake. <laughs> um, I wish they would. Well, for starters, the comics. She's not a reptile in the comics. Uh-huh. You know, she she yes, she has the blue skin. Yes, she has the you know the reddish uh, burgundy hair. But she just has blue skin and burgundy hair. She doesn't look like uh, a lizard or you know the scales and whatever. And when she changes her appearance, it's not scaled looking. She just it's like more of a flowing look. In my is how I envisioned it, not as a the way they do it in the um, in the movie. Well, I, I guess that adds a little bit more style to it because, I mean, if you just saw a per- person just painted blue with no type of texture, it would it would look weird, I think. Um, you, so, honestly, you want me to tell you what I honestly think that the reason they did it? What's in, that? In 2000, that was for teenage boys to see to see the original actors, Rebecca Romaine Stamos as Mystique, basically body <laughs> blue body paint. Hey, I'm not going to complain about that one. <laughs> so, I mean, if you boil it all down to it, you know, they got rid of the white costume that she normally wears and uh, and made her basically have no clothes on and blue body paint. That's where I think they were going with that because they basically got away with having her with nothing on yeah. and, and as as being her costume. And, and I have to ask, was you mentioned Apocalypse is... Son or re- reincarnation being X Men uh-huh. is is Mystique ever an X Men? Uh, yep, but never trust her. I mean, <laughs> interestingly, Mystique is the adopted mother of Rogue in the comics. Huh, interesting. She's the birth mother of. Can you guess who? I have no idea. You've already talked about him tonight. Uh, uh, Nightcrawler. Yes. 
Seriously, seriously, in the what? in the comics, she is Nightcrawler's birth biologic, you know, biological birth mother. Wow. So I wonder, will they bring that to fruition as they did with the whole Magneto Quicksilver thing? I, I don't <laughs> think so, because tech, unless they say that when she met Charles as a child, she had morphed into looking like a child that she was actually older than that. But doesn't she have age? Um, I guess she technically doesn't have to age. Right. If she doesn't want to. She because can be it, any age. She, she can right. be like. Like the lady off Game of Thrones. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, well, she she's like it, she was. She's about the same age, if not older, than Wolverine. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. And speaking of, we got to see Wolverine. Yeah, he made a little cameo, uh, trapped in a, in a in a box, and <laughs> was let loose as a raging beast from where was what facility? Uh, the Weapon again? X facility. Yeah, so we make a call back to, is it the first second. Wolverine movie? Second, second Wolverine movie? Well, no. It, the second X-Men movie. That's seven, right. Yeah. Second X-Men movie. X2. Yeah. Yeah, so we make a call back to X2, go back back to the mountain, I guess, wherever this is, the waterfall, <laughs> which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and, and the scene, you know, there there's a famous scene of him escaping and going off into the wilderness out of the Weapon X program. And that was what they were playing up in that scene was him breaking out and going, you know, get escaping and going into the wilderness. So that's that's where they were going with that. Yeah, which which they never show that in the, in, the, in two. So which is that's pretty cool yeah. uh, to have, finally have that scene. So let me ask you. So I, I wanted I I um, lost my train of thought, but I was talking about uh, Betsy or talking about uh, Psylocke. And I said I wanted to mention her powers and make sure you understood. So, in your mind, what is Betsy's or, or Psylocke's powers? Uh, first time hearing Betsy, but uh, <laughs> it look it seems as if she has the power to project energy into certain forms as weapons, or either that or expand that energy over an existing weapon. I don't know which okay. one is. Uh, it is actually she is. Similar in in powers to, to to another character who I will mention in just a minute. She's a telekinetic. She can concentrate her powers into basically a physical, almost you know, a physical object. Even so, even though you can see it and somebody can feel it, that's actually psychic energy that she's made that sword. She's most famous while she was using the sword mainly, and yes, she has used the sword in the comic. But she's mostly famous for her psychic knife, which comes out of her back of her hand, and she incapacitates you by jamming that into your brain, and it is basically a frying of your brain. Huh. And we didn't see that in the movie. No, either. we didn't see that in the movie, which I wanted really to see it. but Which uh, we saw her kind of mosey off at the end of the movie, so I'm guessing we'll see her again. I hope we see her again. Betsy is actually one of my favorite x-men character the look that they gave olivia mine was the best representation from comic at least for the x-men from comic to screen it, that they've adapted the look of he, her. are you talking about for uh, authentic, uh, authenticity or yeah for authenticity i mean if you <laughs> find her in the comic and you find her in this to me it's a perfect representation 
Well, Kyle, I kind of beg to differ. Okay, I did, tell me. I, I did. I did see Jubilee in this. In this somewhere about somewhere in the movie. So she's pretty uh, true to her nineties cartoon. Anyway, I don't know how how much she's true to the comic book itself, or is she even a comic character? Or was she in the cartoon first? I don't know. I'm sorry. Were you talking about a character? I'm sorry. You got yeah. You got, you Ju- got me. Jubilee. Yeah, I don't. I don't talk about Jubilee. Oh, whoa! Have we hit a pain point here? <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I do not like Jubilee. Uh, I've never liked Jubilee. So she was, in fact, the comic character first, or was she just the? She, she, she was the comic character first, and I don't know. She she irritated me. I mean, literally, that character. I've never liked her. Um, really? Yep. I think one of the reasons I didn't like her there was that there was one point that she was rude to Kitty Pride in the comic, and it was like, okay, Kitty was there long before you were. Do not disrespect Kitty. Oh man, it goes deep, doesn't it? It guys? goes deep. I did not. Deep. I do not like <laughs> Jubilee. So um, there we go. I do not let it be on record. Episode nine. I do not like Jubilee. The character that is to not be mentioned. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the character that I've not been mentioning, not the character that I haven't been mentioning, uh, is one. Wait, wait, wait. Go ahead. Oh, no. no, go ahead. Go, uh, well, I was going to wait till you got ready to say the name, and I was going like, to blur, blur, blurt out Sansa Stark. Oh, go ahead. Yep, uh, sa- <laughs> yeah, it was the one, the only Sansa Snark. Sa- uh, sta- Jean Grey. Yes, so what did yeah. you think? Jean Grey. Um, yeah, uh, I thought she did a really good job. Um, I'm, I'm waiting for a but here. Uh, you, you know, I don't, the, the issues she was dealing with in this movie seems like the same issues she was dealing with in the first X-Men movie. So that was a little weird to me. I'm like, she should be, her power should be way less if we're going along the same arc. But of course, time has changed, so it could be different. I don't know. But she seems way powerful now than she ever did in the first X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. So go back to what you just said. Yes, I think we did establish in the last movie that it did away with X3 because we saw how it ended and we saw Scott was alive. So we know that the things that happened in X three did not happen. And I did like that end joke when they were talking about going to see Um, empire strikes back and they make a joke about it. The third one's always the worst. Yeah, that was pretty funny. That that was good. (laughs) But, but no, I can say nothing bad about her portrayal of Jean Grey. Nothing bad. Yeah, and I thought it was cool as well how they kind of showed us the beginnings of that relationship with her and Scott, and also kind of why Scott hates Wolverine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I thought it was really cool. Exactly. That scene that we saw at the end when the big fight with Apocalypse, when they said, you know, know, just let go, Uh I promise you, you know, that that was chills. That sent chills. Whenever they, because I was like, are we finally about to see what people should have seen in the end of X2? And they maybe couldn't do it because of technology or budget and didn't see an X3. Are we finally going to see something close to the Phoenix? And what did we see? 
definitely saw the Phoenix. Yes. Now, let, me, let me ask you, at the end of X2, when they're over the lake and she does that thing, doesn't she have an aura about her? Are you just saying it, it isn't portrayed in the same way that yeah, you think it, it should have been? It was portrayed. I mean, look, back then, whenever they did that in the movie, uh, 2002 for X2, I think it was 2002, for the second X-Men, totally loved what they did. I mean, I loved the whole you know, concept of what they did. And ironically enough, I read the movie adaptation book before, you know, like a novel version, before I went to see X2 in theaters because they had released the book first. So I was thinking, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. And in the original adaptation novelization of it, Gene didn't die in in that they, she was actually saved so i'm sitting there watching going uh wait no wait she's supposed to be getting <laughs> back on the plane so that but but yeah they did a good job there but no this this was actually she's full on you see the bird you see the fire you see her powered up and that was that made me cry i mean and, and also fly does she do that in any older movies i can't remember no she she's she's never flown well she, levitate her right user we see her. her moving the plane you know kind of levitating the plane and we assume that she's moving with with it but you can tell she's just standing and and everything is green screen beside her but no this is actual levitated and all that good stuff so the so Fantastic. that being said, is Gene the most powerful mutant? She certainly, you know, went at it on Apocalypse at the end there. Uh, possibly. And, 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 and see, the question that you're asking about being the most po- powerful mutant or any character, in my opinion, becomes subjective because it depends on if you make them too powerful you ultimately have to retire them or get rid of them or kill them because if you make them too powerful, then how do you, how can a bad guy be a threat to them? Yeah, I mean, and, and that was pretty much the whole premise of X3, I think. Right. <laughs> you know, they kind of just made her all-powerful. Can't nobody stop me. And they ultimately had to... Okay, we won't talk about that. Yeah, but they went... So- <laughs> they went... They went totally wrong with it. I mean, the the whole making her look like a bird and all that. Meh. No. What what do you think about the whole uh, Jennifer Lawrence uh, choking thing controversy? I thought that was kind of dumb in a way. I I mean, I I am very sensitive to women's rights, but it's a movie. People get killed and beat up in this movie. Uh, Maybe it was poor taste to do it as a press image. I kind of agree with that part, but... Man, the stuff you see in movies, we're going to fuss about this one little scene, uh, still that was put out there. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to preface my answer by repeating what you just said about no, no disrespect to violence against women or anything like that. But I will agree with you that that was a case of poor thinking, someone thinking, oh, well, this looks like a good image and not realizing uh, maybe some people might not like it because, yes, it was an image from the movie, but it ultimately put a man holding a woman, strangling yeah, her true. on a big so billboard. True. So I can see both sides, but I, I think the ultimate answer to that question is someone just didn't think. Yeah, true, true. All right, the movie in general. 
how would you rate the whole story of Apocalypse trying to do what he's doing, the, the whole story in itself, how would you rate it as a movie? If you had to give it from one to five, what would you rate it? Yeah, let me just preface my rating with saying that, I, I, again, I really enjoyed the movie. I don't think it was the best X-Men movie. I don't think it was the worst. I love the 80 references. You know, as far as the story arc, it the, the good thing about the story arc was that it allowed us to see these different characters in these different situations as far as the outcome of of what having Apocalypse around uh, kind of led to or ultimately ended in, I don't think it was that impressive. But seeing these characters in these different situations, you know, hanging out at the mansion, you know, the, the, the end sequence where we kind of saw them do more teamwork, which is really, really great. And you kind of saw that in, in the... Uh, the last Avengers movie as well, you know, a lot of superheroes working together. I really, really like that. All that being said, again, the art of Apocalypse, I don't think was impressive at all. So I would have to give it three and a half stars or cups or whatever we're giving it. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's my take. If I were looking at it without Gene, if I were looking at it from just the story, Age of Apocalypse, the, the entire story. I want to see an X-Men movie that has a little bit more character development and less, let's destroy the planet. I want to see, like I said, more character and less, less destruction. So from, from that point, I, I'm going to say a 3.3 3 to 3.5 cups of coffee, and you know, that would be good. Now, add in the gene factor. Add in that I got to see what I have been waiting for since I found out that there's going to be an X-Men movie in 1989 or whenever. The fact that I see Gene performed so brilliantly, in my opinion, and then on top of that, to get to see the scene and not only to see her unleash her powers, but to see the bird of fire, which I have always been a gene fan and to get to see that i'm going to give it 10 cups of coffee <laughs> not five on gene alone movie 3.5 gene 10 and, and you know added to that i think a lot of the things i thought were really good about this movie you mentioned character development i think a lot of the good points in this movie alone were the character developments, seeing Magneto go through his crisis with his family, seeing Jean Grey, seeing Scott Summers, seeing, even seeing um, uh, 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 Nightcrawler. I thought the character development in this movie, though it's stuff we should probably already know, I thought seeing it on the screen, uh, since we've not seen it before in any of the other X-Men movies, was easily uh, one of the most likable parts of this of this film, and I really enjoyed that. Again, the score, the story itself, uh, we I can give or take. Uh, <clears throat> I'm just add to that. Uh, so far, this movie has grossed domestically is uh, with 138 million, uh, almost 139 million, and um, foreign uh, 343 million. So it's not doing that great uh, on the homeland. 
But, you know, almost 500 million worldwide is, is not bad. Not bad. Not bad. And, you know, I had forgotten about Magneto, not in the same aspect that I had forgotten about Beast, but you're right. Um, and, and the actor that's playing him oh, he's so does good. a great job yeah. as Magneto. And on top of that, the only thing I don't like about the... Yes, I agree. He did have character development. However... The only thing I don't like is in the comics, this is one family that we've never heard about. I've never heard of, of the child that could talk to animals or, you know, this other wife uh, that they showed. So that's something that they created yeah. for the for the movie itself. Yeah, well, that being said, I can easily see him trying to get away, you know, <laughs> get away from it all after almost uh after the events of the last movie, I can see him getting away and going somewhere and trying to live off the grid, yeah. trying to trying to live a virtuous life. And it was so heartbreaking to see what happened, man. I really, I really enjoyed those few scenes with him uh, and his family. You know, him just being a regular worker guy, right? And he gets in trouble for saving somebody. So I mean, ugh, just just tugs at you a little bit. Yeah, and and you know that's the thing with Magneto. Yes, he's the very first. I mean, literally the very first. X-Men villain from X-Men number one. I mean, you know, he's as old as they are, created at the same time as they were. But he traditionally always, you know, you, you always comes back to the side of good. And I think the thing that makes him such a great character, he's often labeled in the villain role. But you see and you can understand what made him become who he is. And I'm not saying that anything that he's, the bad stuff that he's done, does that absolve him of that? But it does give you a better understanding as opposed to someone that says, I want money, I want power, I yeah. want fame. Definitely, definitely. We have gone through X-Men Apocalypse, so I want to touch base on another comic book revelation that happened in Marvel recently. What do you think about the revelation Again, spoilers, Captain America has been revealed to have been working for Hydra all along, and that's all I know. Yeah, and you say this is a different arc versus the, the normal... No, no, uh, no, this is in Captain America. I mean, this is in his Steve Rogers' Captain America number one. We find yeah. out that he's hell Hydra. I just think they're trying to sell some comic books, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure in a few issues it's gonna all go down the drain. But yeah, I, I yeah, to me is it's they're just throwing a hell mary with this one. But it could be interesting, nonetheless. I agree. And coming out of comics today, uh, since the last couple of recordings that we've done have been on Wednesday, I'll run down a couple of things that came out today. We've had Civil War 2, number 2, and I mentioned that in our last recording about Civil War number 1, that there was a character that died, and then there was another character that was about to die, and the about-to-die character, uh, who is a female, actually dies, I will not be happy. I've not read <laughs> it yet, but that came out today, and even if I had read it, I wouldn't give any spoilers but there's an X-Men Civil War 2, number one, shows Medusa, Magneto, Gene, Psylocke, Storm, and several other characters on the front cover. Uh, Titans, Rebirth, number one, Uncanny X-Men, and Justice League. That's at least what I got. And happily awesome. enough, uh, front and center of Titans Rebirth is 
uh, one of my favorite characters, Donna Troy, back in her black and white costume. So very happy about that. And she had the, she is one of the characters that had to be reintro- reintroduced because of the timeline switch Correct. thing, rebirth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she had been re- reintroduced as a character that I would say was virtually unrecognizable to Donna Troy. Now, the fact that this is going to be Donna Troy, original Wonder Girl, all that good stuff, I couldn't be happier. Now, I mean, I don't want to get deep on this, but did she just get her memories back or are they somehow brought her out of from the dead i i've read well she was already back but again didn't act anything like the donna of old and had a different um different storyline or different origin as the donna of old but i did notice from reading a two-page spoiler of uh titan's rebirth it showed uh, dick grayson the original robin or now known as nightwing and Wally West, who just returned the older Flash, Wally or the older Wally West, when he touched, when Wally touched Nightwing or Dick Grayson, there was an electric spark and that caused him to remember Wally. So I'm thinking that we will see him do the same thing, and that will maybe start restoring some of their memories. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Keep so, us posted. <laughs> I will, and we 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 might want to when Lee gets back do an entire episode on who is Donna Troy because that would take us at least two or three hours to talk about who is Donna Troy. Oh wow! All right, uh, before we go, I want to mention one thing. I want to make a correction since we're talking about other comic books. When we were doing our discussion on last episode, episode eight about uh, our question and answers about what is DC Rebirth, I made a comment about Milestone Media with that was inaccurate. And the, the statement was that Pandora had merged the Milestone Universe and the uh, DC Universe and the Wildstorm Universe. And I said, I thought that they changed that. Well, well that didn't sit right with me because I really wasn't sure about it. So I went back and I saw that in actuality, the Milestone characters had already been integrated with DC prior to them, excuse me, prior to then. So I was wrong in that, and I wanted to correct that before we went further. So there we go. Cool. All right, well, Clarence, is there anything you're working on um, that you would like to share with us? Uh, Nothing too exciting right now. I mean, work's been kind of bogging me down, so I hadn't had a lot of time for other projects. But I'll just say uh, keep your eyes on on my blog, uh, www.iamclarence.com, and and follow me on Twitter if you want to, at at, uh, woodunball. And, Cal, what about yourself? Any cool or interesting things you've been Well, we just got our latest episode of Doctor Who Podshock out. It's episode, I believe... 336 we were uh reviewing or doing comparison companions and i think you listened to it so really quickly you know did you enjoy the episode oh yeah yeah i i really really enjoyed it i especially love is it um uh, i can't remember his name the, Dave. the they well no 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 the 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 guy who loves um loves clara as i do lee yeah no, it wasn't Lee. I think it was... Uh, well, well, there was only four of us on there, so <laughs> it would have to have been either... Who's uh, the older guy? Uh, that would be Dave. 
Yeah, definitely Dave. Dave, it was Dave. Because he he kind of shares that love of Clara that I have. And I really, really enjoyed him, you know, talking the praises of how wonderful an actor Clara is. And he he actually got me interested in checking out some of her other stuff, which he plugged in that episode as well. So I, if you like Clara uh, as well as other companions, I suggest you go out and check out that episode and, and uh, check out the show that Dave was talking about in, in there to to see as well. All right. And speaking of Dave, and I haven't actually mentioned this to him yet, but it, I know he listens to our podcast, so I'll go ahead and mention it here. Uh, I want to invite Dave on, and uh, I've already got a list of about 10 or 12 questions that I would like to go through. So I want to get some insight because I know Dave was watching Doctor Who from the very beginning, and I know we've not had a Doctor Who-centric episode. So over the next, I'm not sure how many episodes, um, you know, I want to get he and Ian and uh, Lewis on all separately and get their insights. And so even though I've not told them yet, if they listen to this podcast, they'll hear my intention probably before I tell them. So, so that's, that's what's been going on with me. However, before we go, we've actually got some feedback. So I want to share that with everyone and give us our feedback from episode eight. Hi guys, it's Matthew. Just want to let you know that uh, I really enjoyed the last episode of discussing who uh, episode eight um, I'm a long-time uh, comics reader myself. I probably got into it sometime around the same time as Kyle, or at least it seems like uh, we have some similar history in the things we read. And you know, and for those of us who lived through Crisis on Infinite Earths and all the other uh, changes that DC went through, it's you know you can kind of keep keep sense of it in your head um, after you, as you read it all as it happened, but. Hearing Kyle explain it to uh, to Clarence, you know, as a newer reader, really drives home just how convoluted it's all gotten, which is uh, somewhat uh, ironic given that the uh, the original purpose of Crisis was to uh, simplify and streamline the DC universe. And in fairness to Crisis, I think it really did, at least in those early years, aside from you know some hiccups like uh, like Hawkman, but. Uh, but I think as subsequently, especially as they've tried to uh, uh, bring back some pre-crisis elements, things have gotten a bit muddled. I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that uh, that Rebirth will kind of uh, smooth out some of these uh, rough edges. And and uh, and so the issues I've read so far have been really good. So it's I'm very optimistic about where DC is going. But anyway, I just wanted to say uh, really enjoyed the discussion. I think that's one of the great things about this podcast is getting the uh, long-time fan and new fan perspective in it and uh, uh, really enjoyed the episode and just want to say thanks and keep up the good work. Thanks, Matthew. We really appreciate the comments about Episode 8 and we also hope that you enjoyed our discussion on X-Men Apocalypse. Feel free to send us some more feedback. It's, it seems that you do have some history in comic books and we would like to hear what you think of Apocalypse, the movie, and the character as well. Now, before we go, I have one more thing, which is a final message from Lee. You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. 
Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.